Welcome to Care Talk, your happy home for incisive debate about healthcare, business, and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. John, we're still in double digits. This is episode 99, about to hit 100. You're looking kind of old, dude. <laughs> it's like 100 and what? Radio years or care talk years. That's where I don't know. We're going to, I hope we make it to, hope we live to a thousand, John. If not, I'm uh, still having fun with this. I, you know, I, I'm still trying to educate you and you're still trying to educate me. And every so often we have a little bit of fun. Little headbang in there, John. I went back to our first episode from April 2017, you know, which coincidentally I think was during Sleep Awareness Week. I think we were a little worried people would be sleep through the podcast. Wasn't that when you had hair? No, no, John. That's a, that's an older history than that. That's episode negative five hundred. No, it's been it's been it's been a great run. It's sort of amazing that with these kind of crazy wonky topics, but that are super important to everyone who's around, uh, as well as some of the people who are listening, that we've still got we've still got we've, our, our membership still growing, and and our, our great listeners, that's you folks out there, are participating and engaged in the conversation. That is very nice, and I think even more. Uh, surprising or positives. We haven't gotten sick of one another. And we haven't run out of things to say. And we haven't driven that many people away. So David, so, so if you look back, what are the big topics? And have we made progress on any of them? I actually look back, John, at some of our, our top episodes. And what I found was that there's sort of a, a balance of the wonky and the practical. So things that, that affect people individually and policy, like palliative care, drug testing, school reopening, Medicare for all. These are things where it has an impact on you and your family, but also there's broader policy implications. And I think we weave that together pretty well. And that's what people come back for. What do you, what do you mean wonky? Like, well, explain what you mean by that. Well, that's, see, yeah, that's part of it, John. We actually ask people to explain like palliative care. Does that mean they've given up on me and I'm going to die? So the palliative care one, for example, we talk about, you know, is palliative care part of health insurance? Or is that something you do after health insurance? Because there's different, you know, a different set of incentives. There's all sorts of acronyms and technical terminology out there that sometimes can be helpful for experts, but also gets in the way. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's really right, David. I think a lot of the value of listening to Care Talk is having a no BS, very clear view of what's going on in healthcare, healthcare politics and practice, and then being able to break it down to pieces that you should either be asking a question about or be aware of. John, part of it is also, and I'll, I'll uh, say hats off uh, to you on this one, is being able to talk beyond one's own narrow interest. That's part of the problem with healthcare. Everybody has their own kind of hidden interest, and that affects how they talk about policy. You're, you're willing to talk about things that aren't necessarily in, you know, in your narrow self-interest. I can do that as a consultant. I, I, think, I, I think both of us are pretty good at that. I, I think part of it is just reminding everybody that healthcare is deeply personal and whether it's palliative care or drug testing or how to handle schools that you've really got to ask your own questions if we're going to if you're going to be a responsible healthcare consumer and in politics I mean gosh you know with a budget that's one out of every five dollars is the entire economy is spent on healthcare it becomes an economic as well as a political issue as well, in addition to being personal. John, we'll come back to drug pricing in a minute, because that's the answer to your question about well, I what- just, I, thought you, I thought you were going to come back again about drug testing, whether you needed to have your be tested for drugs. I don't have to be tested, John. You can just look at me. You don't need to waste time on, you know, when we go back to video, people can do their own, their own test. That'll be a cheap one. But John, I was going to say on drug pricing, I want to come back to that, because that's one where we've been beating the drum, but without a lot of success. 
but you know what? You know what's an interesting one, and I had I would say I've forgotten about this to an extent, which is that one of our most popular topics is about Amazon and Amazon's role in healthcare. And we should come back to talking about that. But what what are your reflections on why that one's been so popular? I think every Amazon could be the terminal monopoly in cloud-based software through Amazon Web Services providing web cloud-based access for low price and very flexible tools for any company that wants to do digital commerce, e-commerce. But I think the reason why Amazon is so interesting in healthcare is a two-part opportunity. One, they got more money than anybody. Um, And so if they go into a sector that's as screwed up and as high margin and as uh, and, and as opportunity for disruption as, as, as healthcare really is, I think everybody's going to pay attention. The other thing is that Amazon gets right what most healthcare gets wrong around the personalization of service, surprising and delighting you with what you want and need. It provides a low-cost, high-value retail experience where you feel from a consumer perspective seen. And if you think about healthcare, it's high-cost uh, low access and often leaves you with a lousy sense uh, of a retail experience. And so I think both of those really matter. From the consumer perspective, it's just give, it just reminds you of how different the consumer experience is in healthcare from any other part of commerce in America. John, a lot of our listeners and viewers are healthcare insiders. And I think pretty much everybody in healthcare feels threatened by Amazon. If not today, then you know tomorrow down the road. Historically, you know, throughout our decades in healthcare, you take a look at something in healthcare, say, you know, lousy service, high cost, but yeah, it's healthcare. You know, it's they're not really thinking it's going to change. And you look at it and you say, well, from Amazon's perspective, uh, this may be ripe for the, the picking. And even if it's not easy to, to nail it, it doesn't mean they're not going to go after it. And that can mean similar to what you've seen with Walmart, where, you know, something could be really out of control in terms of cost and, and convenience, and they just take a, a hatchet to it in a way that, that nobody had. So I, I think that's where Amazon Amazon comes well, in. I think, I think you're too much of the hatchet man there. You're about cost, cost, cost. I think you got to think about the consumer experience, David. You got to respect people as people. That's one of the reasons why Amazon does so well. And the other is they do things in the low cost way, but part of that's because they get, they've get they got infinite access to zero or no cost capital through the public equity markets. But I, I think that the most important thing is it's just a, the healthcare is lousy from a consumer consumer interface perspective. And um, not everybody is going to tolerate the kind of way they're treated as patients. So, John, you're saying less hatchet, more ratchet, building up. Yeah, I think, I th- I think so. I, I think the other thing is you presume that healthcare should cost as much as it does. Amazon always assumes you can cut costs. Now, I, I think in general, they've got, they can take advantage of predatory pricing and proprietary information since if you're selling on the website, Amazon, against their own homegrown stuff, turns out they've got access to the data on both sides of that wall. Um, so tear down that wall, they already have. Uh, but I, but, yeah, but I, but I think, I think what, what, um, um, what Amazon gets right is cost and consumer experience. I don't know whether they're ready for how complicated healthcare is. You saw recently that they were rejected uh, by some employers and some from some health plans who they wanted to participate in their network. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Amazon, um, but, well, what's your view? Do you think Amazon's going to take over healthcare and provide it to you through your Kindle? I'm going to borrow your Kindle, John, next time I see you. I think I still have it. Maybe I should return it. 
No, no, they're not going to take over all of it. But like you said, it's one out of five dollars out of the economy. So there's a lot of places that are already very big. So just think about it from the standpoint of like a doctor's office and where they order their supplies from, their office supplies and other things. They're just coming from Amazon anyway. They're already in healthcare, um, you know, in a pretty big way just by being part of the part of the economy. So no, they're not going to take it over. And I think the retailers in general are going to get more into healthcare. Walmart's been kind of up and down, but I saw recently Dollar General actually just appointed a chief medical officer. I think that means they're going to offer a dollar generic drugs or- Let's focus on Walmart because we're not going to, it sounds like Dollar General may be one of your new clients. But if you think about Walmart, Walmart has systematically lowered the cost of retail clothes and food in a lot of rural parts of America. Um, they've, they, they were the first folks to offer $4 generics. I mean, why shouldn't Walmart be able to succeed in healthcare, and why haven't they, David? Well, I mean, they should. This is it's America, so let them do whatever the heck they want. But I think what happens is they, you know, they try it, but they're still up against the kind of the healthcare industrial complex, and you can't just go and do everything differently. And it's it's difficult to do it. Um, it's difficult to do it well. So there is just a lot of demand, um, which they can partly uh, fulfill, but not completely. They've opened some big super centers, but they have to. Um, meandering there. I don't think you have an answer. You, you you're Well, I don't think they know what they're it. doing. I think they look at it and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Everybody wants us to fix this. This is a big dog and nobody's been able to fix it. We'll we'll take our sweet time. Walmart, uh, Walmart has over a million employees. It's as big as most health plans. They are really good at bringing costs down. I think I think they're the sleeping giant. Just, let's just hope they wake up because there's a huge opportunity in healthcare and a focus on low cost and great consumer experience. Um, would, would I think be a game changer. And I think they're in a better position because they've got so many domestic employees to actually test new solutions on their own employees. Yeah. All right, John. Listen, how about drug pricing? Now you've been a real loser there. I can see a bruise on your head because you've been banging your head against the wall. So, you know, we haven't made that much progress on that. Let's talk about what may be coming, what may be new uh, in drug pricing. Well, there's some, I mean, let, let me know it, let, but let's be honest. I mean, the president came out with a bunch of executive orders the other day about, you know, anti-competitive pay behavior and not allowing, you know, pl- drugs that were going off patent to have those patent patented drug companies be able to pay for delay so they could protect their monopoly even beyond when they were legally supposed to. And there's some interest in doing more with generics and making sure that uh, their biosimilars, which are, which are biological drugs that are like generics, are accelerated to market. But I think the, the administration has decided to kind of take the dive on whether they're going to require or, or create the opportunity for Medicare to negotiate drug prices. And I was surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when you're negotiating. I, I still don't understand this about Medicare negotiating, because unless you have a threat where you're actually not going to cover the drug, then like, what are you really negotiating? It's like, well, what's going to happen price, if I- David Price. We'll say what? Okay, I want it for fifty dollars. No, well, I'm not going to offer it. Oh, yes, you are because they're going to force you're going to be forced to offer it by Congress. Yeah, think about think about that Hep C drug. I mean, it was you know eight cents in Egypt, eight hundred dollars here. I mean, it's not that we want an unfair price. We just want something close to fair, and that's that. And it's people like your friends who do not want to discount the drugs. I mean, I, I saw on one of your Trump blogs today, for example, <laughs> yeah. that. Ex-President Trump, uh, well, A, it, it suggested that he was talking to the Almighty. It also said that he is going to bring down prescription drug prices, at which point Bernie Sanders 
and Donald Trump are pushing out the same uh, extreme rec- ideas that they're going to shake down the price of, 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 of shake the, shake up the the drug companies and bring down prices. I think we're at a cultural tipping point, David. You know, you make fun of my desire to bring drug prices down, but mark my words, we will have some form of legislation that'll affect drug prices. So I think there's a couple there's a couple of new things that are maybe that are happening. I don't I don't make fun of, you know, you're trying to do it. I make fun of the fact that there's <laughs> no progress. But there's a couple of things that have happened that I think might be of interest. So one is that this new approval of the Aduhelm from the FDA, which is just like an outrageously priced uh, drug for something that's not very effective. Now they're dialing it back. There's all sorts of investigations. Well, again, context, context. So there was a big new drug approval about a biogen manufactured drug that alleges, allegedly uh, helps folks with Alzheimer's, even though the facts and the data don't show it. So how did it get approval, David? That's what's going to be investigated. Uh, you know, Janet Woodcock from the FDA's called by uh, called for the OIG to actually do an investigation, and maybe that people at the FDA were too close to the to the company because supposedly it surprised even the top folks at uh, at FDA. And it's another one of those things where people said, "Well, you know, maybe nobody's looking, and we'll just put it out there and see what uh, happens." But it's pretty amazing when the acting administrator calls for an investigation of her own evaluation teams that proved. Uh, this Alzheimer's drug, but 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 I think what will happen is you know nobody likes to talk about the fact that the prices are so high that they're going to bankrupt us, uh, and now this is a clear example of something that's very expensive. It's going to be it could potentially be used in a very widespread manner, and it's not that effective. So that's the type of thing that helps to drive the discussion. Now, John, everybody also blames the drug companies for drug prices, which sort of makes sense. But I have to say, uh, through a couple of uh, recent experiences, I've seen where hospitals and physician offices have taken expensive drugs, in this case, one that's supposed to be a list price that's uh, $3,000 a dose, which is supposedly uh, you know much more than it's worth, but just take that from $3,000 a dose. And the hospital I saw charged $25,000 for it, and the physician practice charged $42,000 for it. So somebody's trying to get in on the action too, and that's not just the drug companies. Well, I think, I think while you're trying to hide uh, the margin of the drug companies, the excessive margin of the drug companies. I think it's worth calling out the fact that there is outrageous markups at every step of the chain around drugs. It's also worth calling out the fact that a lot of nonprofit public hospitals put people in bankruptcy for not paying bills, cash bills that they can't afford, that are for prices of services that are quite a bit higher than they negotiate prices with commercial payers or Medicare or Medicaid. It's just extraordinary how many margin grabbers there are in the healthcare kind of stack. I mean, there's a lot of great people in healthcare, but the way we pay for it and how much we pay for it is nuts. All right, John. So I think we've already discovered that we're still going to have more to talk about on some of these favorite topics like Amazon and drug pricing. I really would like to see something happen there. So maybe we can do that. And as we think about resolutions for our next 100 episodes or next 99 episodes. One of the things we've done in the pandemic, John, is go from a monthly frequency to weekly. I'd love to keep that up, even as we can uh, see one another uh, again. You agree? I think I think that's a great idea, David. Yeah, we used to do something also where we do a kind of a quick, call it lightning round back in the day, uh, where we go boom, boom, boom. And it's hard to get you to talk you know, quickly, but uh, sometimes we could do it. I think we should. I think, I, think, I think a better way to go at that would be to look at maybe have a quick feedback on some trending items 
or identifying what's what, what's an important story that you missed. I mean, you miss a lot of things, David, even if it's right under your nose. But I think in this overwhelming waves of health, of information, being able to call out one or two things each week uh, that are trending and one or two things that should be trending um, would be an interesting an interesting add to the show. And we can try it out. All right. That's a, that's a tall order. But we can try it. And John, I'm looking forward to, you know, we missed Health 2020 because it didn't really happen. It was We had a great time at Health uh, 19 uh, down in uh, Las Vegas. It's going to be in Boston this year. So I'm looking forward to doing that, getting some good guests on uh, at that point to, you know, getting back together and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, having ideas from, from listeners. People can leave comments if they have ideas about what they would like us to do. That would be awesome. I, I think that would be great. And I look forward to that show as well and and to doing many more shows with you. Well, John, that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. In this case, episode number 99. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe.